everyone. Uh, Jim Williams, the host of the Politically Incorrect podcast. And we are going to take a look back at the GOP convention in Cleveland and a look ahead at Hillary Clinton's possible VP pick, as well as next week's big Democratic National Convention in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. But first, let me welcome our panel to you, formerly of the Tampa Tribune and now of News Talk Florida. On the right, we have Tom Jackson. And on the left, Joe Henderson, again, formerly of the Tampa Tribune, now of News Talk Florida. Let's start with you, Tommy. You had an interesting column that dropped this morning. Tell us about it, would you? Well, it's a, it, it was a response to the uh, the blowback to Ted Cruz from uh, from Wednesday night when he got up there on the on the stage and said a lot of nice things about Donald Trump. He also had a lot of nice things to say about freedom, but he stopped short of uh, of endorsing Donald Trump. In fact, what he said was the radical idea of uh, voters voting their conscience, and for that. Uh, for that transgression, he was booed off the stage. And there's, uh, there, there's been an awful lot of back and forth about whether you should go to a guy's coronation and say anything less than praiseworthy stuff about him. But what struck me is that twice inside a week, there was real prickliness from both the RNC and also from the Trump camp that if you vote your conscience, you might not make the right choice regarding Donald Trump. And that just struck me as, as astonishing. Now, uh, it, it, coming almost immediately after that, Newt Gingrich got up there on the stage, took the microphone and said, look, what, uh, what Ted Cruz said is exactly right. If you are somebody who believes in the Constitution and believes in freedom and you want to, you want to vote your conscience about that, there's a choice, and that choice is Donald Trump. Well, that's Newt's take on that. But he was the one who had the proper response, at least from, from a marketing standpoint, as far as I was concerned. And it, but it remains, it, it remains true that unless you are full-throated, in, uh, you're, unless you're a full-throated endorser of, of Donald Trump, Trumpkins are going to jump all over you if you say anything like, you know, maybe we should evaluate this guy and then make a decision about whether we're going to support him. And that's what the column's about. You know, I was wondering, and uh, Joe, I'd like to get your take on this. I was wondering if Ted was trying to channel the 1976 convention where Reagan went in. He didn't endorse Gerald Ford. He laid out a case to the convention in 76 and basically said, look, I know where you're coming from. I know what you're saying, but I'm sorry, I can't buy it, and so I'm not going to endorse him. And, you know, in his case, he took a calculated risk that in four years, Jimmy Carter would be out as president, and he would be able, you know, he would be able to run against Carter and defeat him, and uh, he making Carter one-term president. So I was wondering if, you know, I got kind of the feedback when watching Ted when he was talking that maybe what Senator Cruz was trying to do was channel Reagan and pivot himself in that position for 2020. Well, they, he he may well have been trying to to do that, Jim. Um, but here's the difference: Reagan was likable, Cruz is not, and 
Reagan didn't doesn't have anywhere didn't have anywhere near the enemies that Cruz does now. And the backlash against Cruz by his own party and even in his own state was ferocious. Now, the question begs, was he wrong to do what, what he did? I would say yes, he was, given the, the setting. It's supposed to be Donald Trump's coronation. And... Cruz became the story that night, much more than Mike Pence uh, trying to introduce himself to America as the vice presidential candidate. Uh, as, as Tom noted, Newt Gingrich did what he could, but the headlines the next day were all about Ted Cruz, which is exactly what Ted Cruz wanted. And Ted kind of um, doubled down with it when uh, – he said, well, if you insult my wife and you insult my father, this is what you get. Uh, I'm not going to back down from anybody on that. What I think could happen, uh, would not shock me, is if, assuming that Trump does not win, and let's just, for argument's sake, say that uh, it's a blowout, and Cruz then tries to position himself as the guy who says, look, I, I tried to warn you, I told you so. Uh, now rally around me for for the next election. I'm not sure that's going to happen because he still scares a lot of Americans with his extreme conservatism. I know that the true believers love him, but there's a lot of people that are totally turned off by him. So what I could see him doing is we could finally see a viable third party with Ted Cruz as a standard bearer going forward. I think that's what could uh, could happen, and I'd put down a sawbuck that it will. You're listening to the Politically Incorrect podcast right here, and we got Joe Henderson, and we've got Tom Jackson, News Talk Florida. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Tom, your observations overall on the 2016 GOP convention as it closed yesterday, uh, late last night, I should say, like in a Cleveland, Ohio. Well, if I, I will take, I will tackle that in just a moment, Jim. But I want to point out that something that happened in 1976 okay. regarding Reagan and Ford that did not happen this time around, and that is, despite his failure to endorse Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan and Gerald Ford stood at that podium together. They shook hands. They wrapped arms around each other, so there was clearly at least a signal to those folks who supported Reagan and wanted him to be the nominee in 1976 that he was still with the party, and he mm -hmm. was going to support the he was going to support the nominee one way or the other, even right. if it was, it was not going to be full throated. So you've got that, but mm -hmm. and and you didn't have that even remotely uh, this time around, uh, and, and whether Ted Cruz is able to use that as a trampoline. To, uh, to the nomination in 2020 or some other option for him. I, I frankly don't see. If, if we don't get a huge turnout for a third-party candidate this year, and that would be, I would, I would suppose, Gary Johnson, if we don't get that sort of turnout this year of all years, then I think the backlash in the Republican Party, if, it, if the scenario as, as that Joe describes is, turns out a, a whitewash of, of Donald Trump, then Republicans will retrench. 
as they did in 1980 after getting after getting skunked in in 76 they will retrench they will find their new their their guidance that was that they were following in in 10 and 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 certainly 14 and they'll come back with a representative uh candidate who looks a lot more like the center right moderates that were on the stage back last August. That's that's where I think. But to 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 come back to your point about what we what we saw this week, I mean it was one unmanaged fiasco after another from from the from the from the plagiarism for, of, of Melania's speech that they denied for two days before they finally found somebody to fall on a sword over. To uh, to to Ted, to uh, just just one mismanagement after another, and so we're and we're talking about a guy who who claims to be the absolute. Uh, he, he he hires the best people. He surrounds himself with the best people. Well, his his top best person right now, uh, Paul Manafort, ran a terrible con- convention. Uh, Monday night, well, Tuesday night was a disaster. You had uh, you had people coming on after Melania spoke. You had Michael Flynn, who turned out to be a he might be a great general, but he was a terrible, terrible speaker. And Joni Ernst, who should have been in a prime position to make a to make her debut on the national stage, gets pushed almost to midnight. Nobody saw that. I think it was just uh, for if Trump gets any sort of bounce out of this, it will be in spite of the convention, not because of it. Joe, your observations? Well, I uh, completely concur with my friend on the right on that. It was amateur hour. And some of the things that went on there, you don't have to be an an expert political operative to know that the train was off the tracks. Now, I will give them props for a couple of things. I I thought, by and large, uh, Trump's Kids were sensational. Uh, I thought Donald Trump Jr. Uh, maybe set himself up to run for office uh, himself someday. He was fiery. He was passionate. And, uh, you know, Ivanka was was tremendous, I thought. She was just the perfect uh, person to put a soft face on her father, who then, unfortunately for him, came out and looked like, you know, Scrooge after a three-day bender during his speech. So uh, the overall impression I have of the Republican convention, though, is forget the gaffes. Those won't matter in November. People will long since forget that. They'll forget all the – they'll even forget Cruz probably by then. But what they won't forget and what the Republicans seemingly don't want them to forget is that these these are angry people, and – Anger on that level is not a call to action as much as it is uh, an advertisement that these guys scare me. <laughs> they just do. I, I don't know. You know, they at times they seemed unhinged. The whole chance of lock her up, lock her up. Come on, folks. You know, Hillary Clinton's not going to get locked up. That was nonsense and. Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi was up there flaming that. Yes, yes, you know, lock her up, lock her up. No, show me that you've got some restraints, some some substance. Show me why you're going to be better, not just that you're 
mad at the other party. Uh, that's not a reason to elect Donald Trump. You know, again, I my optics on it was you're tr- you know I agree that the Trump family, the kids, were probably the highlight of the entire convention from the standpoint of uh, who came out of it as the stars. And last night's speech, I thought, was a bit dark without question. Uh, but I think that uh, if you're looking to the electorate that, uh, that Trump is looking to, he really wants to drive home that if you're scared, I'm your guy. I'm going to get you out of this. I don't know if he's you know, running for president or attempting to be the dark knight. But one way or the other, he wants to make sure that uh, you know that uh, he's got your back. Now, how he's got your back, I'm not sure how that's going to go. How this uh, speech is going to play in Baltimore or Chicago or any of the major cities where he talked about uh, crime, uh, he you know, kind of glossed Not- over. Notable, uh, Jim, I would say uh, Chicago and Baltimore, notable uh, Republican hotbeds, right? He's he's sure to, to, to haul in a whole lot of votes from <laughs> From those well, cities, that, where, however no, that speech goes down, right? My point. I mean, my, come on. Yeah. No, no. Wait. My, here, follow me. Follow just for a moment. My point is. All this. right. My point was this. It wasn't that if you're attempting to get African American votes, which he needs, when you yell "law and order," you're it's a code for lock up black people. Okay. And I, I think that. He could have tempered his remarks a bit in that re- regard if he's going to go all inclusive. And I don't see that even though Melania and, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, no, no, Ivanka, I apologize. Ivanka and, uh, and Donald spoke to the many minorities in the speeches they gave. There was some, you know, disconnects throughout the speech that, that kind of in one way it said, don't worry, we'll, we've got you. And then the other part, it's like we, we're going after, you know, uh, all the Mexicans who have run into the country and are, are running around roaming, uh, I think was the phrase that he used, roaming the, uh, the, the uh, country unchecked. So it was a bit scary of a speech like Joe was saying to me. I don't know, did it hit you as a scary speech? Did it hit me, Tom? Uh, yeah, sorry. I would I would say, as somebody who listens to an awful lot of uh, conservative talk radio, that this was no more than uh, Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh uh, done loudly and uninterrupted for seventy five minutes. Uh, and I and I say that advisedly by noting that. Mark Levin is anything but but somebody who is in the Trump camp, but right. uh, but but Mark is loud and he's angry, and I think that, that I think that Donald Trump is reaching out to fifty percent plus one of the American public who think if you're not angry you're not paying attention, um, mm-hmm. and, and you can and you can quote all the statistics you want to them about new immigrants and second generation. Uh, generation immigrants, whether they're legal or not, are less likely to commit crime than native-born Americans. And you can quote all you want the decline in uh, violent crime, 
what they see, what what they know, what this 50% plus one that he's shooting for know is what they see on their social media feeds and what they see on their phones, and it and it creates this cocoon of of worry that they have, and they think that their country is going to hell in a handbasket, and they see this strong man, and it worries me. Uh, they see this strong man as the guy to fix it, and all he's talking about is authoritarianism and expanding government. Uh, but it's an expansion of government that people who, who claim that they are conservatives can can cuddle up to. And that, uh, again, that, that worries me. That's Tom Jackson, who is on the right. Tom is with us from News Talk Florida. He's a columnist. On the left, we got Joe Henderson. I'm Jim Williams. This is the Politically Incorrect Podcast. So I'm going to go back to you, Tommy, for something you just said. As a conservative, you watch the convention. You talk just about uh, Trump's speech. Where do you stand on Donald Trump? Has he convinced you? Clearly, you've got some reservations. But are you all in, or do you want? What do you want to see? Oh from no, him? for for and I and I make this. I, I fuss about this all the time in in columns and uh, and, and on and with my friends and social media and that sort of thing. July for me, July and August are the times of measuring candidates against an absolute standard. It's not either this one or that one for me at this point. It may come to that. Ultimately, it may come to that. But right now, I'm, I'm measuring every candidate that I might vote for against an absolute standard. And, and uh, I'm willing to be convinced by, by Donald Trump. I tell you what, if Donald Trump Jr. was the nominee, I would be all in. But the fact is, Donald Trump Jr., gave a speech that could have been delivered by, guess who, Marco Rubio. That was a very Rubio-esque speech. Uh, it, it hit all of the, the, uh, the conservative concerns that I have as far as, as uh, race relations and the economy and freedom and America's role in the world. And I don't think that Junior talks to Senior in a very persuasive way because if he did, we would not be hearing the sort of rhetoric, the, the, the loud extremist rhetoric, out of Donald Trump Sr. that we do. So uh, right now, again, I'm measuring everybody against an absolute standard, and at some point I may, have to, I may have to say, okay, damn it, fine, I'll vote for the guy. But I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I am somebody who is looking at my conscience and saying, I hope that he can get there, but, you know, we may come down to final cuts day and he doesn't make it. He doesn't make the team at least the Jackson team, and, and I say that as somebody who's, whose household at this point is extremely divided. My wife is all in on this guy, as she says she has been since he came down the elevator in June of 2015. So there you go. Well, at least she's not an FSU fan. <laughs> well, not yet, anyway. Uh, That'll never happen. Probably not, probably not. Um, but guys, let's pivot on the Politically Incorrect podcast from what happened in the GOP to what's going to happen sometime this weekend in Florida, and that is Hillary Clinton will pick a vice president. All indications at the moment are that it's going to be Tim Kaine. He's got a resume that you know would definitely pass muster for anyone who would want to be picking a vice president. But he doesn't have that passion. Can Hillary Clinton pick a Tim Kaine and it be a winning ticket for her? Joe? Yeah, I think it can be because he's 
kind of like Mike Pence. He's a safe pick. Now, there'll be, I'm sure, as, as, if he is the one, that there'll be, you know, some groups won't like it. Maybe he's, you know, not liberal enough for some or he's too liberal for others or, or whatever. But the key thing I want out of a vice president um, is would I feel safe if that person were to have to become president one day? And I don't think the world would tip off its axes if, if Tim Kaine were suddenly thrust into the role of commander-in-chief. I may not be a, a long-term solution, but I hope we never have to find out. But I think, he would, I think it would be fine. And what's interesting about that is the, the big dog himself seemed to endorse Tim Kaine. That would be Bill Clinton. So if there's another candidate out there, uh, Team Clinton has done a remarkable job of uh, keeping it under wraps. So we think it'll be Tim Kaine. We'll see. But uh, either way, I think it'll be fine. Tom, any response on Tim Kaine? Any observations? Anything that piques your interest on him or, or turns you off about him? I, I think that Tim Kaine is perfectly fine. Uh, in fact, this is one of the this is this is going to be another one of those elections. As I, and I, it seems to me like uh, we had one maybe in uh, 08 and uh, and maybe even 04. No, 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 I wouldn't say 04. But anyway, it, it, it's there's been at least one or two recent elections where after the after the vice pres- presidential debates, America sort of said, why aren't those two at the tops of the tickets? Well, and, and I got a I got a feeling that. Once we get once Tim Kaine gets the announcement, and I think that he will, uh, mm-hmm. because a he sort of he, he really makes Virginia tough for Republicans to win, and they have to have Virginia. Um, once once he once he takes that off the table, the, he he he's a guy who you could see he could run the country. I mean, he's got the credentials. He was a pretty good governor. Uh, of, of a of a purple state knows his way around the, uh, the the knows his way around Washington. I think he is absolutely uh, perfectly accept, uh, acceptable. Certainly more than uh, than Thomas Perez, who is extremely blue. Uh, he's the the labor secretary, and he's he's a I think he's a danger to the country. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. Would drive. I, I think Elizabeth Warren would guarantee a Trump White House because she is so far left. Uh, I, I think that Tim Kaine strikes all of the right notes. I mean, Hillary herself has gone far enough left already that she doesn't really need to appease the liberals. Uh, she's she's got them in her back pocket, and she needs somebody on her ticket who makes people feel like, yeah, this is her first executive decision, and it's a good one. Yeah, Tom. I, let me jump in there for a second. I would, I would totally agree with that. Is, um, and and, and would add this, uh, just a little footnote to that. Your choice of vice president um, should do no harm. <laughs> and yeah, the Hippocratic oath, right there. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. No and all we have to do is look back at Sarah Palin to see. What a bad choice for a vice president can do to a ticket, and so uh, there is virtue in being the safe pick, and and Tim Kaine certainly is that. And I think in the case of Tim Kaine, 
you know, he like Mike Pence and John Kasich and Chris Christie and other governors gives you that executive, um, that executive experience. But all three of those guys also served in uh, Congress. So they have a very good knowledge of both Washington and what it's like to run, run a state as well. So there is a balance out there. So I do believe that Kane, while he might be boring and he might be safe, is probably going to be the guy that Hillary Clinton uh, tabs as her VP as they head to uh, Philadelphia. This is a Politically Incorrect podcast. I'm Jim Williams. With me, Tom Jackson on the right, and uh, of course, Joe Henderson on the left. Gentlemen, as I said, we head to Philadelphia, the home of Philly cheesesteaks and um, Rocky Balboa for Monday. And Monday, key speaker on the agenda is a gentleman by the name of Bernie Sanders, who finished second uh, to Hillary Clinton. I do not expect to see Bernie Sanders pull a Ted Cruz on Monday. Any observations? We'll start with you, Joe. Well, I think um, Bernie has the um, advantage, if you will, of he's already endorsed Hillary, first right. off. He's, mm-hmm. he's not going to pull a Cruz. Um, the Democrats were smart to give him some of the things he wanted in his platform, which appease him and ultimately will prove irrelevant, as all platforms do, because once you get into the campaign, the candidate is going to do what they want. So uh, it'll be a reason to tune in Monday night, that's for sure. And I'm sure uh, his speech will be much, much discussed. But I, am, I will be shocked if the overall tone of the uh, Democratic convention is doesn't lay out in stark contrast to what we just saw with the Republicans. I think the Democrats will certainly they will they'll be trashing Donald Trump. A uh, little payback there, but I would think that their overall vision is going to be much more optimistic and soothing, if you will, than uh, the draconian uh, words we just got from Donald Trump. So I think uh, they'll come out of the. Democratic convention, barring a, a catastrophe, uh, with a nice bounce, and then it's on to November. Tom, what do you think? What's going to happen in uh, Philadelphia? What are you looking forward to, and what do you think is going to uh, be uh, of interest? Well, here again, uh, uh, this politically incorrect podcast, the guy on the left and the guy on the right largely agree about the ambition and the aim of of the Democratic uh, convention coming up, that it will be an attempt to soothe and to demonstrate competence and uh, governing gravitas and all that sort of thing, and, and, and project optimism and that sort of thing. And I think that they will stress hard that there have been some several 48, 60 months of steady job growth and that there has been steady uh, steady gains in the economy and that what you see going on in the world really doesn't have anything to do with the Obama, Clinton, Kerry uh, foreign policy. What Don't look behind that curtain for that sort of thing. But the 50% plus one that Donald Trump is going to be attempting to cobble together um, 
they will be the Trump campaign Republicans who are on his side will be pushing back and saying you can believe that if you want to, but look at your own situation. Look at what's going on in your neighborhood. Do you feel like you're better off now than you were eight years ago? Um, and they're they're counting on the idea that Democrats and the Clinton campaign will not be able to to sugarcoat this in such a way that we want four more years or eight years of the next two, the, the, at least the next administration, the, the third round of the Obama administration. I'll tell you what, I look at it this way. I think that what we're going to see in Philadelphia is an inclusion. We're going to see people of all races, all religions. It's going to be what was, in essence, the Obama coalition, which is Latinos, Blacks, and as many different diverse groups as possible to cobble together what was a winning uh, a winning situation for him because it made sense for them to try to hit the big states and then hit the Rust Belt and see if they could win the big cities and come away with what in essence was a uh, uh, very good map with regard to the electoral college standpoint situation. So I think that's what they're going to try to do is is preach inclusion as opposed to exclusion in Philadelphia uh, come Monday night and all the way through into Thursday. I think their biggest problem will probably be the the cleaning up, if you will, or the or the polishing up, if you will, of the the top of the ticket. And that of course is Hillary Clinton. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But to me, it's going to be very interesting uh, at the end of uh, Thursday how that, how that whole situation plays out uh, in Philadelphia. Here's, Jim, here's, here's another thought, too. Um, and it, usually it goes to the person with the last word that, that leaves you with the image uh, that you want. And after hearing, you know, for four days in Cleveland – that Hillary Clinton was, as Ben Carson alluded, basically Lucifer in the flesh, they will present her as a caring uh, advocate for the downtrodden who, you know... um, Grandmother. Grandmother, you know, experienced, uh, and people who haven't made up their mind one way or the other, uh, to endorse her or hate her, will be looking at that going, well, that's not the woman the Republicans were talking about. She's not so bad. And um, that's going to be the most Jim, interesting Jim contrast to me that comes out of the Jim week. Jim Comey. Jim Comey. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all well and good. You're going to get four days of that, and then you're going to get three months of she – lied to us and people died and that's going to be one of the major themes that that trump and republican PACs are going to hit from now until early uh, until uh, right through early voting right up to election day and they're going to paint this picture all they want of of hillary clinton being experienced republicans republicans are going to say bad experience bad results i i think it's just going to be a, a donnybrook after the conventions uh going forward and what we're 
uh, Jim, I completely agree. They are going to attempt to begin laying the foundation to cobble together that very same coalition that pushed Barack Obama over the top twice. But the thing that Obama had going for him is he is a charismatic guy, and he inspired people who ordinarily wouldn't go vote to go vote. Now, some of that is data analytics and making sure that your grassroots operation works. But on top of that, you had a guy that people absolutely wanted to go support. That's not necessarily the case with Hillary Clinton, and it certainly wouldn't be the case of of people being fired up to go vote for her or against the other guy if Republicans had nominated any of the other 16 who stood on that stage with with uh, at some point with Donald Trump during August and September and October and November. Um, if they had nominated, if Jeb were the candidate, if Marco were the candidate, if if uh, Rand, uh, Rand Paul were the candidate, even if Chris Christie were the candidate, there would not be nearly as much energy to vote against the Republican candidate. Uh, so uh, Republicans have done that, that, that plurality of a minority who turned out for the primaries has given exactly the wrong candidate to try to beat Hillary Clinton in a year that she ought to be absolutely vanquishable. You know, it's yeah, but they did. They did nominate yeah. Trump, as, as you pointed out. Yes, they out, did. So. They they sure and, did. They sure did. So that's the, the uh, that that is the one quiver in in uh, in Hillary Clinton's otherwise lackluster. Uh, that that's the one arrow in in Hillary Clinton's otherwise lackluster quiver that is probably, I think, going to push her through in November. Well, I think the other thing too is she's got Barack Obama as a surrogate and a full loud and full-throated one because he detests Donald Trump for the birther situation. So you're going to see the president. You're going to see Joe Biden out there, the vice president. You're going to see Elizabeth Warren. You're going to see, to an extent, Bernie Sanders. But you're going to see a unified Democratic Party as opposed to a, eh, <laughs> Jeb sitting back uh, in Miami and, uh, you know, some of the other guys not full-throated barely supporting and i don't know if the trump army is big enough to overcome the fact that there will be a lot of surrogates and big name surrogates out in the fall campaigning for hillary clinton but i'll tell you what guys we're getting close to the end so it's time to give you some last minute uh uh opportunities to to uh, to wrap things up here, and I'll give Joe. I'll give you the first of the of uh, of the last takes. Well, uh, by this time next week, when the Democratic convention is over and the campaign is well, it's already been underway, but uh, it enters a new phase. Um, we are going to have, in my opinion, a an absolutely ironclad contradiction in candidates. Uh, we're going to have a clear picture of a guy who says America is going down the tubes, and we're going to have a, a picture of Hillary Clinton who says uh, things are just fine and it's going to get better. And it's America usually buys optimism. So um, I, I would think advantage Clinton at this point. And let me uh, let me jump in for one quick second. Uh, if anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, I can be reached at Jay Henderson Tampa, 
or you can follow me on Facebook at Joe Henderson Commentary, Columns, and such. All right. I was going to let you do that later, but we'll get that back again. Uh, well, I just did it. That, that's okay. Self-promotion is all is always welcome here. Self-promotion always. is always welcome on the Incorrect Podcast. Tom Jackson, your take and for the for the day. I, I I agree that we are we are about to enter a new phase of of this campaign, and as much as uh, to follow up on what you said, Jim, as much as uh, surrogates from the well-known surrogates of the for Hillary Clinton are going to come out from the Democratic Party. I think that that will serve to help get people who are on the sidelines regarding Donald Trump off the sidelines and off the fence and say they're not going to vote enthusiastically, but they're going to say, okay, fine, it's this guy or Hillary, and I can't take four years of being hectored by this woman. I will take yelling Don despite the fact that I have misgivings about him. and I, So I, I think it will be very close come November. I think the Rust Belt is going to be in play. I think that there are enough desperate uh, people who want to uh, – desperate uh, manufacturing and mining uh, producer uh, people who are on the sidelines who think this guy has got a plan to put me back to work at a job where I will do stuff for America, and I like that. I, I, I think that's his gambit. I think that that's what the what it's going to come down to is is a, a a a turning bleakness into prosperity from from Donald Trump uh, uh, against hey if you like what you've gotten from Barack Obama elect Hillary Clinton and there and we can go forward that has never been very much of a uh, of of a, of a winning formula uh, in America when we've had one president for two terms. And we're looking to to do something else, and in, in after that, uh, which was a mishmash of muddled thoughts, which just lets you know where I am right now. I I wish I had I wish I had a candidate in this in this race. I I agree with the the guy who tweeted last night that Donald Trump's acceptance speech needed a Republican response, and we didn't get that. <laughs> oh, that's great. I wish I had tweeted that. That is a great line. <laughs> Actually, my, the one that I tweeted out last night said that uh, when uh, he talked about making things uh, better at the airports from the standpoint of security and being able to get through the airports quicker, I I tweeted out that he then has now got my vote because I don't like standing in line for two and a half hours before a flight to get through security. But, so. but he also tweeted, uh, or uh, Trump also said that uh, he wants to build rail rail system and uh, um, the most modern rail system in the world. And isn't that what Barack Obama proposed for Florida with the high-speed rail between Tampa and Orlando? Isn't it? I'm just asking. I, I, I think it was, but, you know, things happen. What can I say? <laughs> bad idea then, bad idea last night. Um, that's, that's your guy, just, Tom. Just saying. Well, Tom Jackson – He's not my guy. Haven't I made that clear? He's not my guy. I'm persuadable. I'm persuadable. He could coach okay, me up well, if he gets himself Don, coached up, but he's not. Don, <laughs> Donald Trump or Paul Manafort, if you are listening, we can get a hold of Tom Jackson for you and uh, convince him. Tom Jackson, where can people find you? Of course, on News Talk Florida. And uh, where Absolutely can they find you social media-wise? 
you can find me on Facebook, Tom Jackson, journalist, entrepreneur, and follow me on Twitter at Thomas Jacks, J-A-X, Tampa. Tom at Thomas Jacks, Tampa. Well, I'm your host, Jim Williams. You can find me at News Talk Florida. You can find me on Twitter at NTFLA underscore politics. That's NTFLA underscore politics. And gentlemen, we have completed segment two of Politically Incorrect Podcasts for Joe Henderson and for Tom Jackson. I'm Jim Williams. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today, and we'll be seeing you very soon.